For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening, everyone. Um, so uh, maybe everybody here already knows Jerry, but I'll just say that uh, Jerry Griffin is a uh, longtime practitioner at Ancient Dragon, has been practicing with us for a while, uh, practiced with a, uh, a Rinzai Zen group before Ancient Dragon. She's a former member of the board, and I'm very, very happy that she will be she will be our incoming Eno. She's uh, transitioning with Dylan, who has served very well as you know through the pandemic and before. And uh, Jerry, thank you very much, and uh, take it away. Thank you, Dagan, and thank you for the opportunity to give this talk. I wanted to talk today about what a Zendo is. And where do we? Where are they? And how do they get created? And so I was going to start with this koan, and it's. Koan number four from the Book of Serenity, and I'm just going to read the case. When the Buddha was walking with his disciples, he pointed to the ground and said, this would be a good place to build a temple. Indra, Indra took a stem of grass, stuck it into the ground and said, the temple is built. The Buddha smiled. So I was thinking about this and I thought, is this true? Is this how a Zendo gets built? If we just showed up together, do we have a zendo? Do we need something? Do we need to make an offering? Do we need, I don't know, incense, flowers? Do we need a Buddha statue? Do we need cushions? Do we need a room? Do we need to be inside? We've had sushines outside. Uh, Asians led sushines outside. We've had outdoor camping sushines. And the outdoor camping sushines, we usually have a tent or something that's to protect us mostly to protect us from the bugs and the rain. and the So that leads me to think, well, does a zendo have to be comfortable? <laughs> I've been to the Shishin in Rochester once, and the, the furnace went out in the middle of the Shishin, and that place got cold. And at some point, uh, Bowden Kohi, who was the abbot there and was leading the Shishin, he let everybody go get their coats, and we spent part of the Shishin until they could fix the furnace, all bundled up in our winter coats and hats and scarves. And I thought, well, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be comfortable. Does it have to be quiet? Does it have to be quiet in the Zendo or in a quiet spot? I remember when I first came to H Dragon, I don't know, it was the second or third time I was there and I was sitting in the Zendo and people were talking. And I was scandalized. I thought, oh, can't talk in the Zendo. Don't these people know where they are? What? what what's it? No. And is that true? I, you know, did I make that up? I, or does it have to be someplace quiet? Like, could we put a Zendo someplace that's noisy? Could we put it in Ukraine in the middle of a war with sirens going off and ambulances and big machinery going down the roads? When, when, the, when the Buddha pointed to the ground, did he point to a spot? Like, 
Is there some place on the planet Earth we could go and we could say, okay, he pointed here and we're going to go there on a pilgrimage? Or can any place be a Zendo? So I wanted to show you this. I left some pictures and I think I gave you so you, uh, a way a picture so we could put it up. But there's some pictures. This is a place, it's a, it's a gallery in the Chicago Art Museum. And it was designed by a Japanese architect called Tato Ando. And when you walk into this room, the gallery outside of it is, a, is pretty noisy. And I think there's a path that you can take to exit out of the Japanese area near this gallery. So when you walk in, you see 16 pillars, big wooden brown pillars. There's four across and four deep. And you walk past these pillars into an open space. The lights are dim. There's a little chair there that seats two people, three people. There's two of the walls in the open space are glass. And behind there, they have exhibits, sometimes Chinese, uh, Japanese bowls or Japanese um, dividers or scrolls. The thing about this space is, I go there a lot because I like it. When people come into that room, their demeanor changes. They stop talking. They slow down. You can almost see them calm down. Their breathing gets deeper. And nobody rushes through the pillars to get to the open space. People take their time. They walk slow. They look around. They're calm. They're almost meditative. And the thing is, there is no instruction for anybody to do that. But almost to a person, every single person who crosses that threshold from the noisy other section into this place, that happens. And there's no sign that says, quiet, please, meditation area. There's no greeter that says, okay, do you know where you are? That room itself, it's like it self-identifies as a zendo. You walk into that room and that room tells you, you're not anywhere. You're here. Pay attention. And this um, Tato Ando, maybe somebody here knows more about him than I do. This, he's a genius. This, I don't know how he did that. That is, because when I think about it, I think, okay, what if you had a space that didn't self-identify as a Zendo? So I think about all the places I've sat in. And even here, you know, we used to sit here in the parlor. I don't know, that never had a zendo feel to me. It didn't have this sense. I didn't walk into that room and get, okay, I'm here. Same thing with the place we had downstairs in the big, this in the basement where, where we used on Monday nights. In this space, it feels a little more. Zendoi. And I have the same reaction to the Zoom rooms. When I go Tuesday in the morning at 7 o'clock, there's usually a sitting. And when I go to that Zoom room online, there's a real connection there. I feel connected to the people every morning. You feel like you're in a Zendo. You feel like, okay, I'm here and I'm sitting with people and this is really wonderful. And you get why, you know, I get why the Buddha smiled when, you know, Indo makes his Zendo. It's like I smile when I wake up and go on to that online Zendo. Everybody smiles. It's a wonderful, joyful place to be. When I come online for the Monday night session, not so much, that feeling. Sunday, Sunday just seems busy to me. People blinking in and out with the cameras, chatting in the tap box. It just... I don't know what makes that difference. Like, why 
Why is one space brings you to where you are and another space doesn't? And what happens if you have a space that doesn't self-identify? Or what happens if people come and they don't know where they are? They don't, like they don't read the language, the, the room doesn't speak to them, or they don't understand what the space is trying to say. I show up places all the time. I don't know where I am. I went to once, I, and I always remember this, I went. To, I had to go to this dinner for work once, which I really didn't want to go to. Um, and it was a restaurant up in Glenview on North Milwaukee Avenue, Italian place. So I get there, and there's like eight of us around this table, and I'm looking at the menu and sipping the wine and thinking about every other place I want to be. And my boss, sitting next to me, gives me a little elbow. And I look over at him, and he says to me, Oh, I just wanted to bring you back into the room. And I was a little embarrassed at first. But then I thought, that was he was kind to me. One time, one of my neighbors, he's married to a the woman he's married to a woman who's a Thai Buddhist. She, when she first came to Chicago, she stayed at the Thai Buddhist temple in Chicago near Broadway and Wilson. And she said, Johnny wants to learn more about Buddhism, but I think he should go to an American place. Can he go to your temple? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, well, do I need to know something? I said, no, no you just come. It'll be fine. So he comes. He shows up. We sit. And I don't know, five or ten minutes into the sitting, I remember thinking, oh, this was a really bad idea you had. He didn't, he didn't, he, he felt uncomfortable. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what to do. And I thought, you know, would it have killed you to be a little kind, to just sort of tell him what to expect, show him how to sit, you know, cross your legs, put your hands in, you know, ears, shoulders, lips aligned. I don't know. Uh, it, it's... Indra made it look so easy. Okay, here. Temple built. Why was that? Did he have auspicious space? Is that what we think we're going to find? The perfect space. And it's going to do all the heavy lifting, and the space is going to be made, and we're going to walk in there, and we're going to know where we are, and we're all going to sit perfectly together in peace and harmony. Maybe. Do we have to do something to make that space work? we need to tweak it or nudge it or and if we did what exactly would we do there's a zen center down the street for me it's uh Bultasa. it's korean and once when i was first looking for zen centers i went there must have been 89 90 and they, there's they tell you nothing they're very nice but they tell you nothing you show up and if you don't know what to do or feel uncomfortable, so sad, too bad, you just have to step up and figure it out. And maybe that's the way we are in Zen. You know, Buddhists say, you know, don't do what I do, figure it out for yourself. Maybe we don't instruct people. But if the room is not as strong as this Zendo that's in the Art Institute, if it doesn't have that power with it, how do we help a space become a zendo? How do we help ourselves figure out how to make that space so when we come in, we know where we are and we're sitting together? Uh, 
it, is it that we should be, we should, we, is our practice not strong enough? Like what, what made the parlor not be a zendo? And is that possible? Is it possible that there are just some places that just are not zendo material? Just take them off the list. Is that possible? And if it's if it is, okay, then we got to look for the auspicious place. But if it's not, what does that take? So I would be interested in, in knowing how other people relate to zendos. You know, I sit here and say, well, the parlor's not a good zendo. The Sunday Zoom room's not a good zendo. Like, you know, I'm the self-elected center of the zendos here. But people must have uh, a relationship with the space around them or some places feel better for you to sit than others. How does that work for people? And what what do you think that makes it work? And what do you think that makes it, is it, is it like, is it because when you, when I come into a Zendo, I'm not receptive to the space? Is the space not receptive to me? I would be interested in how, what people think about how they relate to a Zendo and what makes it work and what makes it not work. So thank you for listening to my talk and giving me the opportunity to say this. Um, I, if I may, um, I, I think something about the Zendo, part of what makes it mm, special, um, is, is the fact that it's an area that's set aside, that's separate from day-to-day activities, right? You walk in and you're like, ah, this is a special place where we do the, you know, a set list of things in this order and it's, it's different from everyday spaces. And I, I, perhaps why the parlor or the classroom in the basement didn't feel that way is because we're surrounded by tables and folding chairs. And so there, there are all these like markers of normal everyday life around. And you have to, we had to put it all together, put out the cushions, and then at the end, take it all back up. So it felt like you're temporarily borrowing this space as a part of the normal world. It wasn't like set aside as something special. Whereas here, you know, there's no, there's no like extra furniture that we have to move out of the way. We don't have to set up the cushions. It's all there already. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of it. That's interesting to me, because I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought the more ordinary the room, the more zendoe it would be. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. It's because I guess I think I'm always in a zendo. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, can I be someplace else? I don't know. Maybe there's something to setting aside a special place. Well, I don't know that, that, that it, it work. I don't know that it really is like actually set aside. 
right? The yeah. Zindo is not different than the real world yeah. and vice versa. But I think just on a conventional level, we relate to it differently yeah. when it's, when the space only has one function, which is for being a Zindo versus temporarily borrowing a space to become a Zindo. Yeah, that makes sense. Go on. So, I mean, my, my wish and my initial impulse is, is to say, yeah, everywhere, you know, the universe is, is a zendo. Um, however, I think, I, and, I, and I think somewhere deep in my, you know, and I, I believe, I know that that's true, um, on the deepest level, but there's also, I think, as I think about it, there's also a level um, where I'm thinking back to when I first came to Ancient Dragon and, and how important it was. And I don't even knew, I don't think I knew when I came to the temple for the first time how important it was to me that there was a room, like a place that was there that was the meditation hall. That's what, that's the name of it. And I'd never meditated before. And I was about to enter into a place that was called the meditation hall. And that part of that, and what that meant for me uh, to begin as a beginner, to walk through a doorway into a place that said, this is a meditation hall and someone to, you know, uh, that was in there waiting to give me instruction about how to bow, how to sit. And then, and then the, and then I sat and then there was a service. Um, and, and that, and that was really important to the beginning of my practice for there, for there to be a room that was, designated specifically as a meditation room that I chose to enter. Um, uh, so I think, I think the, for, I think the answer is to, if it's up to, if you're asking which of you are, in my opinion, I think it's both. I think, I think they're, uh, on the, on the deepest level, Everything, everywhere is a place where you can sit. Um, and also, it's really helpful for there to be rooms where if you want to meditate for the first time, that there are rooms that present themselves as good places to start. Okay. I hope that's what Lizendo can be. You know, is a place where somebody wants to meditate for the first time. That oh, here's a room that will let me do that. That it would be welcome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And do we think instruction is helpful? I I don't know. Maybe it's because when I first started to sit, it's because my nature. I just showed up and sat with somebody. I don't think they were too happy about it, but. I sat with no instruction, and I don't know if that was the best way to go, but I could see why instruction, you know, I brought my friend to the center, and 
he sat without instruction and it really tipped the zendo, I felt, you know, it was just, it changed the energy somehow. And it would have been kinder to just, yeah, have some instruction. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the question about instruction is interesting. Um, uh, I, I do a lot of improv theater, and so when I when I perform, um, I, I am put into a position where I kind of have to be on my toes, and sometimes that really helps, keeps me present, and, and not, um, I don't zone out. So, you know, I've been in situations, and I, I don't exactly remember the first time I came to Ancient Dragon, but... Um, like specifically what happened that day, but um, uh, having to uh, observe other people and kind of see what they're doing is like, okay, like do what everyone else does. Sometimes like for a person like me, it can be helpful because it keeps me aware. And if I uh, had maybe a little less embarrassed about making a mistake or something, then that would be good. On the other hand, you know, that's not every person. And some people that would be it would change the energy, as you said. So um, it's an interesting question. Um, everyone else's responses have made me think of this this idea of settling. To me, a zendo is a place where you settle. And, and to me, there's a differentiation between settling and relaxing. It's not like a place you can take a nap, although you could. Um, it's a place where um, you were talking about the gallery and how you know when you enter a place like that, your vibe changes. You, you. There's something about um, humans uh, appropriated knowledge of architecture, or buildings, or cultures, or religions, whatever that says, okay, this is a place where you do this, uh, and that involves some kind of like change uh, in maybe what your normal behavior is. And to me, um, and, I, and I think of like a, a cathedral, or I, I grew up Catholic, and the, you know. A lot of Catholic churches are really tall, imposing buildings, um, and that architecture was meant to kind of like make you like feel in like this like meditative place, or just kind of um, like going underwater or something. It's like okay, you're here, you're plunged in, and like this is this is what you're doing. Um, thinking about the place downstairs in Ebenezer where we had to you know assemble and disassemble overnight didn't maybe feel settled to me, like because. You couldn't really, you knew at the end of the night you were going to have to pack everything up and so that we had to watch the time and, you know, you, um, things like that. Um, Wade and I are um, currently moving. Uh, we just bought a house. And um, as we, we, have, we were very lucky to have a few weeks of overlap so we could kind of make a slow move. So as we're, you know, taking things down and packing things up, our, our current place now starts to feel a little less settled and so it's a little less like this doesn't feel like home anymore this doesn't feel like that zendo anymore and so it's, it's shifting to the new place and soon the new place will be like that um, but I don't know the, um, the word, that term settling uh, kind of is coming to mind so I don't know if you have thoughts about that you know that makes me think about maybe it's because we gave up our space on Irving and we haven't been in another space for that long, you know, in a real life space for that long. And there's something about sort of that the Sangha and the Zendo sort of grow together, and the longer they're together, the deeper that relationship gets, and the more the space develops strength of its own, so that when you walk in, 
in your new it can tell you where you are you know like this room has a certain amount of that gallery has a certain amount of power to it it's it's a strong and maybe that just comes with the relationship you have with the space that it strengthens as you sit there longer and and together you grow into some sort of a you know your practice gets stronger as you sit the, the zendo gets stronger and you sort of play off of each other to build up a a place that it has more strength and power in and of itself so that the room can sort of begin to stand on its own a little bit more. Um, I think of the word care in, in what you're talking about and what we're talking about. And I, you know, there were, um, it seems like there are a lot of stories about Suzuki Roshi where he talks about, you know, the way that we take the best care of things. You know, there was a story about the dining room chairs and how, you know, they picked the dining room chairs up rather than dragging them across the floor or, you know, you, you hang up a broom and you hang it so that the, um, the bristles are, are facing up so that it doesn't get squashed on the floor. And, um, and I think it's maybe some, the same with the Zendo space, you know, we, we bring some care to a space and the space meets us, you know, with, with with the care and I guess um, what's interesting though is that we can bring care to a space and it and it can give that it can it can extend that care to someone else because I, I I would you know Bill and I had sort of a similar experience when I first went to a Zen center to practice and walking in the door and just feeling like oh you know and it's like you can feel the care I think that is that is in that environment that gives it back, I, and I know that the um, the Ando Gallery at the Art Institute was certainly created with some care, you know, and and there was some wisdom there about how what what will settle a space. Um, so I guess I, you know I'm also remembering those. I think I think. There's a story about Suzuki Roshi where he talks about how Zen is really just our ordinary life, but it's easier to see when we put a frame around it, and, and that frame is our is our practice. And so um, when I think about Zendo, think about how do we create a, a frame? What what needs to go into that? And 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 I guess the frame then supports us, but it can also support others. Do, does, do, do we think that there are places that are karmically damaged? Like, is there some place... Did you say damaged? Yeah. Is there some place you wouldn't want to put a zenda? I think there may be place... Uh, uh, Jerry, I appreciate you bringing up this topic um, because this, the space of the zenda is important. It's... Uh, space that fosters awakening is one way it's defined. Um, but I, you know, just in terms of what you just said, I think of Bernie Glassman uh, having regular sessions at Auschwitz as a way of kind of, um, I, I was going to say redeeming, that's not quite right, but as a way of um, bringing some attention to that kind of space. On, on the opposite, in the, on the other hand, I... Um, Tassajara, where I lived for a few years, is one of the most, uh, I don't know if the word sacred is right, one of the most powerful places 
uh, I've ever been. And the Zendo there is also the Zendo that Paul Disco built there uh, is a powerful place. And it's obvious when you walk in, as you were saying, some places are that this is a place for settling and sitting. And but I, re- I, I when you started talking about quietness and and how you know there should. There needs to be a certain amount of that. I re- recalled that one that there was a that a uh, Zen Center priest who's now a, a, a teacher was very upset one time at Tassahara because they could hear the sound of the generator. And Tassahara is one of the quietest places I've ever been, uh, and or when you know there's not a lot of stuff going on and. Uh, they could hear the generator, and and uh, that was, I was upset. Um, so that so I was thinking of that, and the other thing I was thinking of was Rockefeller Chapel, where we had our Hyde Park sitting group for so long, and uh, that Nyozan and and uh, other people took care of. And that's a challenging space to be in. It's easier in a way to be to be sitting outside. I think um, the space at. At Ebenezer, it has pillars and there's a kind of shape to it, and it's confined. And it, so there's an energy there. The energy is framed, as Asian said. Um, but at, at Rockefeller Chapel, num- some of you have, have been there. The ceiling is, you know, it's this big Gothic cathedral. The ceiling is huge, it's wide. And yet somehow um, there was a, a Zendo space created up in the front. Anyway, it's an, it's, it's an important question how to create a space that fosters awakening. And and also each one of us can feel that or not feel that in a particular space, or maybe it's, you know, what you had for breakfast that day or something. Anyway, thank you for bringing up this topic. It's, it's something for us to reflect on. I went to a Sashin once in Rochester and it was near downtown Rochester and there was a festival during the Sashin and there was a rock band that blared through the entire Sashin. And it was, it made it difficult to sit and to hear that, you know, I mean, if you were at the festival, it would have been wonderful, but sitting in that Zen to listen to that rock band for four days was like, really? It was hard, man. If I may, that reminds me of a story about my teacher, Reb. Um, one time at City Center, sitting in the basement there, across Lily Alley behind the Ben Center, there was an, uh, some somebody in an apartment there had was uh, during a session was playing loud music and having a party and and Reb took it upon himself to walk over in his robes to the apartment and say, "Would you mind being a little quiet? We're trying to have a retreat here." And they thought he was very cute in his robes. And uh, anyway, they, they quieted down some. And I don't know. I, I, I think about that. Should, should somebody go and ask people to be quiet? Or do we learn to sit in the middle of noise? That's a real question. Hi, Jerry. This is Matt online. Thank you for your talk. Hi, Matt. 
as you were talking and as Tygen was talking, I think it was um, a Theravadan teacher, I think maybe Jack Cornfield or something, said there it's pretty common to have monasteries like in Cambodia right at the site of a busy intersection, and you're just going to hear traffic and pedestrians all the time. And I don't know if that's the Zendo I'm looking for. Um, I think I would like one that had more uh, or less distractions. The one I used to meditate at, I would meditate on Friday nights and there was a football stadium, a high school football stadium right next door. And you would hear the play by play every Friday. So you knew, you knew what you were getting into. If you went and sat there on a Friday night. Um, I like both. I think it really depends. You know, one of my teachers would always say case by case, case by case. And, um, I like starting with distraction free. And now I kind of like having, I like, uh, I like having mix ups in the Zendo, you know, people who don't know when to bow and, um, accidents happening and coughing fits. And it just seems to add something special now where maybe earlier it would have really bugged me out. So it depends. It depends. But thank you for your talk. Thank you for your comments. About the like the relationship between the sangha and the space reminds me of uh, when when I went up to Minnesota. There's uh, yeah, I went up to Minnesota Zen Center or uh, Zen Meditation Center, and there's a bunch of uh, Katagiri temples that are pretty close together in St. Paul in Minneapolis. And someone at Minnesota Zen Center was telling me about how there was a moment in time where a couple of them were talking about, should we merge? Should there be, you know, should you and us, should we just be one Sangha? And then who moves and what does that look like? And uh, and they said that um, they didn't, like, for for the, the folks at Minnesota Zen Center, didn't want to merge with another group because there was there was so much zazen energy and in, in this in the the um, I don't know what to call it the vibe to use Mike's word of of the of Katagiri who had taught in that in that house at a, a Minnesota Zen Center or Minnesota Zen Meditation Center that they couldn't, if they had a choice about it, they didn't want to give that up. <laughs> that, that there was some, there was a living element of, uh, that the space was holding uh, uh, something across generations that they wanted to protect, you know? Yeah. So it was like, a, it's a, it's a, kind of it was a living being. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, space can take on a character of its own like that. Yeah. yeah. It also reminds me of uh, around Chicago, you can find Buddha heads kind of emerging from the earth. You never really know where you're going to find them. 
but somebody at some point, some artist, you know, just found, chose different spots in Chicago to just put food in us. And the legend I've heard is that the crime rates go down. Um, (laughs) Seriously, that that, like it, that, and that might have been one of the reasons why um, the 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 initiative happened. But uh, yeah, the, the the story I've heard is that. When, when there's a, a Buddha head or some sort of Buddhist uh, statue that's in a public place, that even if you don't identify as a Buddhist, there's some sort of uh, relaxing or compassionate energy that that statue brings to the space that, that, um, that uh, gives it a, a, a quality that makes people uh, a little bit more responsible, maybe, um, or caring about how they're interacting with each other. Um, so, yeah, just thinking about is there a space that is a zendo or do, do you bring the zendo to the place? You know, maybe yeah. it's both. Yeah. Maybe it's both like a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. See that Deborah has her hand raised. Hi, I'm Deborah. I'm um, Deborah Callahan. I'm actually in California right now. But I wanted to say that my Zen- I lost my Zendo over almost nine years ago. So I- I'm a homeless Zendo. And I've been practicing with that. And um, yes, you can go to locations, but I feel it's a very much of a an aliveness to kind of be homeless with it, which I've been practicing. I just wanted to throw that in. Um, and that's coming to mind is Homeless Kodo from Dogen. I'm not sure if it relates. And I have one last question. Does anyone know what Zendo means? Literally meditation hall. Okay. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I know, but I mean, some people can't have a Zendo uh, for various reasons. What if you're in prison? You know, what if you're like me? You know, not necessarily, you know, with the COVID, most of us couldn't attend a location. So I, I just think it's an interesting approach to not get caught up in the physicality of the place and consider that it, there's a broader connection in all of it. So I'll just leave it there. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for your talk. Um, I wanted to say I'm really grateful for the space to, this is my second time coming here to this space. I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful for the Irving Park Place, which I went to uh, for a while, uh, Wednesday mornings. Um, So I don't have any interesting, great questions really, but I just wanted to say that it certainly has had an impact on me to have a space to go to. and I was wondering too how people, I think Deborah made me think of this as how people are um, set up their space at home. Because that's, that's been a bit of a, a broken progress for me. And I think I finally settled on a space that supports my practice at home a little bit better. Um, and 
than what it was before, where maybe my home version was sounded a little bit more like what it was in the basement here, where it wasn't permanent. I would have to pull out my um, cushion and sit and then tuck it back away, and now I have a little spot in our little house um, that's dedicated to it, and that seems to, uh, I guess, help my effort. Yeah, I think it helps to have a dedicated spot in a in a place to sit. And somehow, it, when you get up every time to sit, it sort of takes the you just go there. It takes the work out of it. It makes it easier sometimes. I think just to sit when maybe you don't really feel like doing it because you don't think, "Oh, I have to drag out the cushion and do this and this." You just you just go there when you know it's there. And, Deborah, do you have a, a, a special place when you're when you're in your spot where you sit? Yeah, I do have dedicated. I have two. I'm in two locations. I have two dedicated spaces, you know, with cushions and a Buddha statue and a, a place to burn incense. Yeah, I, I consider that my zendo right now. So because <laughs> you know, I find and I just wanted to add, you know, I consider Zoom to be a type of zendo. I know some people don't feel connected on Zoom, but if you come with the spirit of the practice of understanding Sangha, it is, it can be very alive. And even though it's limited and we have to compromise, especially since COVID and now it's opening up, but it is very, it can be very alive. I just want to support that understanding. Thank you. Yeah. I think that about zoom to it. Zoom to me. I don't know. I guess I have the same reaction to zoom rooms as I do to in-person rooms. Some of them really work some days, you know, like I said, Mondays and the mornings really work. And other days, not so much. And it's kind of like the space, the physical spaces. Some of them really work for me and some. So I don't know if it's so much Zoom as it is the energy that gets generated. And maybe it's me when I show up with more energy or less energy. Or, But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the Zoom versus in person. It's something else. Yeah, uh, Asia. Well, I know for me that... What I finally realized I missed the most when we were fully remote was having that space to care for and taking care of the temple. And that's, I think, why it's been important since we've been back. It's been important to me that we have, you know, some temple cleaning and we have some ways of organizing how we are here. And we can't, we can't really do it the way we might optimally do it because of because of the limitations of the space. But we but we do what we can. You know, so we so we create a space in the back where we can put our coats and, and shoes and we um, we do our best to enact some forms. Maybe maybe there's more we can do. Um, and then we you know we take care of things. I, I was pleased that we were able to leave our cushions out but because I you know, I was thinking about like, okay, how can we, how can we tackle these tasks in a in an organized way that is conducive to upright practice and relaxation? Um, and I and I think we've we've cobbled together a good um, compromise with this space, but but it just was recognizing, you know, in the end that what was so important to me was just to have that that space to bring some care to. Because I didn't, that's the thing, I just didn't feel there, there was really any way to replicate on Zoom. Yeah, that's interesting. 
there's a certain amount of love that gets generated when you're taking care of something, and that adds that energy to the space itself. Thank you, Jerry. That's a good note to end on. I think it's time we have to stop. But um, thank you for a really important topic and something for us to uh, sit with. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the opportunity to give the talk. <laughs>